Welcome to Central Line, Leadership in Healthcare, the show that shares stories, experiences, and advice from notable and innovative leaders in healthcare. Let's get started with your host, Leah Witchick. Dr. Sandra Davidson was appointed as Dean of the Faculty of Nursing at the University of Calgary in August 2018. Dr. Davidson joined UCalgary from the University of Alberta, where she served as the Associate Dean for Undergraduate Programs in the Faculty of Nursing. She has served in a variety of positions in the United States, including Dean of Nursing and then Senior Director of Academic Affairs for Carrington College based in Phoenix, Arizona, and as the Director, Master of Healthcare Innovation Program, Arizona State University. Dr. Davidson is originally from Lethbridge, Alberta, and has considerable practical experience as a nurse before entering an academic career. She is well known in each position that she has been in for her entrepreneurial thought and creative innovation. She is co-editor and author of the award-winning book, Leadership for Evidence-Based Innovation in Nursing and Health Profession, now in its second edition, published by Jones and Bartlett Learning. Dr. Davidson has also served as the Organizational Development and Clinical Education Specialist for Cancer Treatment Centers of America in Goodyear, Arizona. In this position, she worked with the Vice President of Patient Care Services and nursing staff to implement and evaluate an innovative, adaptable care delivery model on the inpatient oncology unit. She has served in a wide range of academic and practice environments that span private, for-profit, not-for-profit, and both large and small public universities. Dr. Davidson obtained her PhD in leadership studies from Gonzaga University in 2011. She earned her Master of Science in Nursing at the same institution in 2001 and received her Bachelor of Nursing from the University of Lethbridge in 1996. Prior to that, she received her Registered Nurse Diploma from Lethbridge Community College in 1994. Hi, Sandra. How are you today? I'm great. How are you, Leah? I'm very well, thank you, and welcome to Central Line Leadership in Healthcare. I am just so thrilled that you could be here with us today. Uh, as you might know, I am a product of the U of C Faculty of Nursing. So the fact that uh, you're involved there as Dean uh, is really exciting to me and warms my heart. And so to get us started, I was wondering if you can share a little bit about your path into this role and your path as a nurse. Wow. Um, you know, I was just reflecting and it's been over 25, 26 years since I started um, my path in nursing. And uh, so, it, you know, you never set out um, with the goals that you end up with, it seems. And, and I think that's been true in a number of cases. And definitely um, coming to the role of dean was not something I set out to do. Um, but yeah. you know, way leads to way, and and here I am, and and uh, am and thrilled to do so. And I, you know, I likewise, I'm remembering when I decided I wanted to go into nursing. I had my heart set on being a neonatal intensive care nurse. 
Oh, wow. And uh, um, as way leads to way, I ended up at the opposite end of the spectrum. And a large portion of my clinical work has been with um, older adults and um, geriatrics. So, you know, you never know. Um, But it's those opportunities and those people you meet along the way that make the difference. Um, Mm -hmm. And you go where, you know, the energy and passion takes you. And and, uh, this is where you end up. Um, so I, I, you know, I started, um, as a, a floor nurse and a med surge and it was in the nineties. And at that time there was, you know, a recession and, and I think half my graduating class went to the U S because there just was no jobs. Um, but I was able to get a temporary position and kind of cobble some things together and, and stayed, um, in Canada. And, uh, um, what I found out early on is that uh, in even in the frontline clinical world that I was working in, um, I really enjoyed education and I, you know, became a mentor to new people on the unit. I started preceptoring students um, and then went into like clinical education um, projects and those sorts of things. Um, and then at some point I, I turned my attention more towards that education um, than um, the bedside focus, just because I, I found I had a talent for it, a real interest in it. Um, and it was along those same, um, that same time that I started to be interested to say, you know, if I'm going to follow this education path, I need um, to continue my education. So did a master's program um, that actually was by distance um, back in the late 1990s, early 2000s. And, and just a blast from the past. This was interesting. It was one of the first um, nurse, uh, the online, um, master's programs in nursing education through Gonzaga university and mm-hmm. how they did this is they would actually use VHS tapes to record the in-class lectures and mail them to me. Wow. <laughs> and I would watch them a week later. Um, and then all my assignments were dated, you know, due a week later because they had to allow time for the tapes to get there. So Imagine me now talking to you um, on this podcast with our wonderful technology, uh, and it's just amazing how far we've come. Um, yeah, changed world. No kidding. So uh, <laughs> I've seen I've seen a lot, um, and, and so I got my master's degree in nursing education, and you know, still working clinically in in um, clinical nurse specialist positions and those kind of more um, education, yes, but more leadership positions as well. And as I was starting to um, you know, dip my toe into the leadership pond of of having um, teams that I was working with and and um, people that uh, reported to me. I thought, wow, you know, this isn't something that um, you can do just kind of off the cuff and do it well. Although, you know, in nursing, we we tend to think that we we put people in um, unit manager positions because they're the best um, floor nurse on the unit. Those kinds of things, or yeah. uh, and you know that. Um, I think does a disservice. I mean, it is what it is and it, it happens, but um, I was really struck by the fact that leadership in itself is, is an art and a science. And there's a, there's a discrete body of knowledge that is very helpful um, to be able to do a good job of that. So mm-hmm. um, I became intrigued by um, the, the elements of leadership in, in nursing and healthcare. Um, and also, I guess I was craving I saw, and I think a lot of nurses and healthcare professionals see this as well in their daily work, you see all kinds of opportunities where we can do better, um, whether it's a process, whether it's, you know, follow up with patients, whatever it is, um, that we see these opportunities to, to do better, to make the system better. But how do we do that? 
And mm-hmm. I think that's where my passion for leadership has led me is in how do you make change in organizations? How do you get teams of people um, collectively on board and, and rowing in the right direction? All those kinds of things. So my study and, and um, work in leadership has really been around innovation, systems transformation, um, and um, from an educational perspective, how do we educate nurses for um, the preferred future and to have different outcomes um, in a positive sort of way than we maybe have in the past? Um, so I, I'm rambling a little bit, but that's uh, kind of what got me interested. So I went back and did a PhD, um, not in nursing, but in leadership studies, because I really mm. wanted to understand. I found I had enough of the background in in nursing um, with a master's degree in nursing, and so really wanted to branch out and see what other disciplines and other perspectives had to offer around nice. leadership that I could bring to healthcare. So that I really loved. Um my career trajectory, I, I actually um, left Canada um, and had an opportunity to live and work in the United States for about eight years in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, was a faculty member in um, the Arizona State University um, Faculty of Nursing and Healthcare Innovation, um, mm. and was able to develop a the very first of its kind master's program in healthcare innovation which was absolutely thrilling. And it's going on, uh, I think, 12 years now since we launched that program and we have cohorts around the, the world. Um, so that, and it spawned, um, you know, PhD um, programs in healthcare innovation. Um, so that is um, something that I was really um, honored to be a part of. Um, and, and also did some clinical work in the U.S. I got an opportunity to work for a private, um, for-profit cancer specialty hospital, Cancer Treatment Centers of America as a clinical educator, um, the director of clinical education and organizational development. So it was really blending together that systems change leadership piece with the organizational development and then the clinical education piece, which has really been um, my love for a long time. And so it was a really interesting, um, as a Canadian nurse, to work in that kind of an environment was a really great learning. Um, mm-hmm. And really, you know, looking at sort of the business side of healthcare and how things get funded and, and um, you know, every, everything like supply chain management and all of it. Um, yes. so, so really fleshed out uh, learning that I don't think I would have gotten had I stayed in Canada. Um, and then worked for in leadership positions for some um, uh, healthcare colleges in the U.S. with the DeVry family, so Chamberlain College of Nursing, um, as as being uh, the prime uh, one of them. And uh, you know, after about eight years, it was time to come back to Canada. Um, just things were changing, and uh, we'd been away from family. And uh, it was just, you know, you kind of know when things are right. So I came back um, and took up my first um, tenure track position. That's one of the things I hadn't done in my educational career was to have a a program of research and to be in that academic um, tenure track position. So uh, University of Alberta is where I came back to um, in Edmonton and spent about five years there um, really being an academic. Um, and that's what I set out to do. And about three years in, um, they said to me, you know, you have all this leadership and management experience and we're looking for our, our next associate dean for the undergraduate program. <laughs> and so it kind of pulled me back in, um, which I was happy to do and was able to um, revamp the undergraduate curriculum. So talk about a large change project um, yes. and, and launch 
that um, in my tenure there. And uh, just as that was coming to fruition, um, the previous dean, um, Dr. Diane Tapp at University of Calgary, was retiring. And um, I, I threw my hat in the ring. Um, just because I, you know, that was kind of the next logical step. And, uh, you know, Calgary was closer to family and all those kinds of things. Um, and, you know, what I'd seen about the University of Calgary was that their, um, their way of being and their kind of secret sauce, I guess, as an institution, I mean, every institution has its own personality, I guess, was really a, a strength around entrepreneurial thinking, innovation, um, and that was kind of um, their MO. And that was really intriguing to me. And so um, apparently it was intriguing to them as well that they saw a fit from my background for what they were looking for. And uh, so here I am at the University of Calgary as dean and have been here for about two years. So you had a really interesting experience. And, and what really strikes me is that link that you see between the, the nursing aspect of things and, and leadership and innovation and entrepreneurship. Um, now, you mentioned that UC, University of Calgary in particular, seems to have a, a focus on that. How are you seeing that emerge in the programs that they're delivering? All kinds of ways. I mean, it, it's there embedded in um, the strategic plan that, that the university has with their academic and research um, plans which they kind of use as that the cornerstone for making decisions. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the, the community and the, and the city of Calgary that the, the university is situated in and very much kind of that can-do attitude, um, that, that Western can-do attitude. And, and uh, that's how the culture has emerged. Um, they are very embedded with um, community businesses, community leaders, and really much, very much a part of the Calgary um, larger community landscape and how they can give back. Um, so we're, we're doing programming. Um, you know, we, we have a wonderful philanthropic donation from the Hunter family. So we have a Hunter Hub for Entrepreneurial Thinking that really serves um, the larger university community, regardless of what faculty you're in. They have um, places for students with great ideas to connect in and connect with mentors in the entrepreneurial world. You know, we, we have our engineering program has a heavy focus on healthcare, um, biomedical engineering design and, and those kinds of things. Um, in our Cascade School of Business, there is a focus, of course, on entrepreneurial thinking. And so it, it's, it's baked into just about every program I can think of um, in some way, shape or form. And I think that was the challenge for nursing that, that um, I don't think a lot of nurses um, necessarily right away see their themselves as entrepreneurs um, and they think, oh, that's something business does or that's something that the science folks do. Um, when really, you know, when we really think about it, nurses um, by our, our nature and our training, we're problem solvers. Um, and we see, we, we, you know, through our keen assessment skills, whether you're assessing a person or a situation or, or whatever it is, um, we do that keen assessment to figure out what's happening and what we need to do to intervene to um, have a better outcome. And so if you apply that to, you know, organizations, to um, teams, we really have it baked into what we do. We just call it something different. Yeah. And that's really interesting um, that that connection that you're talking about between our assessment skills and our ability to 
see not only patterns, but see the bigger picture as well. And, and like you said, it yeah. could be with a person or it could be a situation. It could be a scenario. It could be a problem. And using that to foster that sense of entrepreneurship among nurses. And I, I'm curious to hear, uh, what do you think is the possibility that this can open for nurses? Tons of possibilities. Um, and I think it's just, you know, getting a sense of, you know, how as a nurse to leverage entrepreneurial thinking. Um, so, and, and I guess that's the other thing I would mention, Leah, is what I find in, in having conversations with nurses and, and faculty members that are nurses around entrepreneurship everybody kind of immediately first goes to, well, it's about starting a business. It's about, um, you know, doing a startup and those kinds of things. And, and I think that's a, only a piece of what entrepreneurial thinking is about. It, you know, at its heart, it's about making change that makes a difference in the world. And that can be, you know, so now we're starting to think about it in terms of more social innovation and um, social entrepreneurship and those kinds of things where you don't have to do a startup. You don't have to, um, you know, start, go out and, and hang a shingle and have your own business. But this idea of wherever you are, you can apply the principles and, and skills of thinking entrepreneurially to look at what are the possibilities for making change here and, and using those, those skills um, in that style of thinking to have better outcomes. So um, in that sense, you know, it doesn't matter where you are as a nurse. And, and so there's another term, sometimes you'll hear it called as intrapreneurship. So somebody who is within a larger organization and uses those skills of, of you know, change um, um, transition um, management, tra change management, entrepreneurial thinking, um, the skills of innovation to make change in their existing organization. Um, and you don't have to go out and, and, and be a, a business person to do that. Um, and, or being part of, of teams that are developing social innovations um, through community partnerships and not-for-profits and, and those kinds of things. Um, there's a wide range of involvement for nurses there, um, right from you know, um, testing out new ideas um, with, with um, community partners, um, providing guidance, leadership, um, clinical expertise, whatever it is, it's just, you know, if you can, and this sounds really cheesy, but if you dream it, you can do it kind of thing. <laughs> it, it, so the sky's the limit. It's, it, we're only limited by our, the, the limits we set for ourselves. And I think that's so true in that if we're able to open ourselves up to the idea of opportunity and possibility, that's where we're able to then tap into that natural creativity and innovation that that we all have. Mm -hmm. but we have to create the space to to make that happen. Absolutely. So, Sandra, I'm interested. What has been the the biggest challenge that you've faced in your leadership career, or or your career in general? Oh man, uh, you know, interesting. What comes to top of mind is. Um, this whole COVID-19 thing has probably been, been a bit of a challenge for all of us, um, wherever we, we are in our, in our career pathways. Um, but beyond that, and kind of just thinking about, you know, a pattern of challenge or some of the biggest challenges, I would say, and going back to early on, um, finding um, tools and ways of leading that were actually effective and that I could use in my real life practice. So 
I, I would say one of the challenges early on when I started taking courses in, in leadership and management and those kinds of things, you know, a lot of the leadership styles and organizational models of, um, you know, the 20th century are very, you know, brick and mortar based on machine mechanistic kinds of um, models of leadership. When you try and put some of those um, step-by-step leadership pieces into action, they don't actually work. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I'm thinking of, of, you know, those kind of books where you'd, that you see at the, the airport bookstore that says, you know, leadership in 10 easy steps. And you're like, Ooh, that is really, it's that easy. And I just do these 10 steps and it'll all work out. <laughs> um, there was that kind of allure, like, Oh, I just, I'm looking for the right answer. And if I could just, yeah. you know, find it, it'll all be easy. Well, leadership is not easy. It's messy, it's complex, and it, it's nuanced, and it changes moment to moment. And so I would say the biggest challenge or learning for me has been really understanding that um, leadership and transformational change and, and moving that forward is all about relationship. And the leadership mindset, skills, um, approach that you take has to honor that relationship. And being able to be comfortable with not knowing and dwelling in ambiguity, but still finding a way forward has been the biggest challenge. And it is to this day. It's not like you ever get it licked and, and you're, you're an expert at it. It's you have to recreate it in every situation. And I think that place of ambiguity, um, as you mentioned, is really challenging for a lot of people. And, and I would ar- argue, and you touched on this, it's challenging for, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been your strategy over the years to, to be okay with that place of not knowing? The more you practice it, the better you get at it, right? So it, it's almost like when you're in that, instead of being frustrated by it, acknowledging it and saying, okay, this is ambiguity. Yep. Okay. And, and I need to figure out how to sit in this comfortably. And so there was a wonderful book that I read ages ago, and it's not necessarily, it's more about creativity. And it, I think it's how to think like Leonardo da Vinci by Michael Gelb. And he talks about in that um, ambiguity endurance. And I, that has really stuck with me that it's about, you know, just enduring in that space and knowing that there will always be ambiguity. And very few times in life do we have clear cut answers or the one right answer. It just doesn't happen that way. So, but I think what has helped me is being in that ambiguous space is also a space of potential where if you're able to dwell in the unknown, opportunities present themselves. And I think, you know, a perfect example of that ambiguity endurance that you referenced in that book is is probably right now with COVID-19. As we all know, everything is changing hour to hour, day to day. Uh, We don't have a clear cut answer as to how we're going to uh, control this, what is going to be the outcome, um, and what are the timelines as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a perfect example of uh, this is an opportunity to to maybe do a little bit of that practice and to to see what it feels like to to sit in that place of we don't know what's going to happen next. Um, and, you know, I love what you're saying about this is the opportunity. And it's interesting. I was chatting with uh, someone the other day and we talked about how healthcare will never be the same. 
after this. Um, there's sometimes some talk around, well, when this is all over, we'll go back to the way we did things before. But that's not the case. Yeah. Um, because we continue to evolve. Our society continues to evolve. Our healthcare system continues to evolve. Obviously, we're being extremely challenged right now, but there is opportunity coming out of this to think very thoughtfully of, well, what's next? What can we take from this? So along those lines, what do you think needs to happen to continue to support the development of nurse leaders during this this pandemic? Well, um, more of of of. what we've been talking about, right? At, at helping people to see the opportunities in, in um, a difficult situation. You know, one of the things that we're finding is with our master's program, particularly, and, and I know we wanted to talk a little bit about the stackable certificates, but I'll, I'll uh, jump in there a little bit. Yes, please. You know, we have a program with our, with our stackable masters where um, students can do um, a, a certificate, which is four courses. Um, in a given um, concentration area. So we do have one in um, transformational change, uh, leading transformational change in healthcare. And so it's really about developing nurses as leaders. So there, the students that are currently in that started in the fall with one course um, in, you know, who are you as a leader? What skills and talents do you bring to leadership and understanding kind of that? The second course, which they're just, just finished, um, is looking at systems in healthcare, systems thinking, um, and and what is the nurses or the the leader's role in um, making change in large organizations, understanding healthcare, how it's funded, how it operates, all those kinds of things. And it was very, you know, what we've been hearing from that cohort of students is it's just so timely, given the COVID situation that they were learning about systems thinking and, and that kind of broad understanding of health and all the influences and impact on the healthcare system at this time. Uh, later this no, in May, they're going into their third course, which is looking at what is the leader's role in innovation in healthcare and looking at some of the tools and skills, just as what we've been talking about in entrepreneurial thinking and applying innovation and an innovation mindset to problems that we see in healthcare. Um, the fourth course will be in the summer. And that's really looking at a demonstration project. So we're actually going to be working with our healthcare partners to come up with a grand challenge question that students in teams will have a limited amount of time to develop a, you know, a prototype, a response to that that question um, that solves the the problem that's been posed to them um, and in kind of a real-time way. And and then um, presenting that to, you know, a group of healthcare leaders for, you know, the possibility of having those ideas taken up into the healthcare system to actually make change. So that's kind of what we're doing. And, you know, at this time, what we're hearing from our students, because again, all of our students right now are either part-time or full-time employed as frontline nurses. And we have nurses from emergency rooms. We have uh, nurses that are working in long-term care, in palliative care, in nursing education, in the community. And all of them are saying, you know, it is just so great to be able to, in the midst of all this work that we're doing, you know, day to day, um, all these challenges, to have this ability to have this course on the side that we can do, um, you know, one course at a time is is doable and it's not overwhelming, but it gives them the opportunity to shift their focus in a more constructive 
way. And a lot of them are really enjoying that. And they're able to then take that learning and apply it to this ambiguity that they're living in. So I I think um, what we've learned is, is providing opportunity for the development of leadership in a way that is resonant with what they're experiencing in their in their other work life and that the the tools and knowledge that they're gaining through that leadership development is immediately applicable and helps them in what they're doing. That model has really worked for us rather than, you know, I think more more um intensive masters programs are, you know, you take a leave of absence or you cut down your your shift or whatever it is, because you know, you're going to be taking three courses at a time. Um, and you kind of are disassociated, um, you know, your, your day-to-day role as, as a nurse or a healthcare provider from your learning. And I, I think the program that we've been able to develop here allows people to in bite-sized ways, learn at a pace that makes sense and then be able to apply it to the real life world. And I think that's where a lot of the excitement and um, they were able to develop that confidence in their ability as leaders in healthcare, and and it's just really invigorating. Mm, I love that, and and what I hear in that is what's so critical to the success of this program and the success of these students is that ability to take the content that they're learning, the tools that they're learning. And apply it on a on a day to day basis mm-hmm. because they're they're living it and they so are. they're they're able to experience it on um, a consistent basis and see the impact of those things that they're learning, see the impact that it has on the work that they're doing. Um, where where did this idea come from? You know what it was um it was started it was let's say the seed was planted um by the previous uh, dean and, and and some of our faculty before I arrived um and it had been something that had been simmering and and, and brewing and and you know there was a, a proposal that was in play um and then when I arrived it kind of got to um it got to be the place where things were approved and we had to bring it into reality and make it um make it live uh, so that we could offer the courses. And, but I think it was, you know, the idea originally was in conversation with our nursing and healthcare community about what the needs are, about where is the, what's the future direction of, of, of nursing? Um, you know, what types of learning are going to be required for advanced, uh, practice roles? Um, and by and large, and so we did a large scale consultation with, you know, Alberta Health Services and, and Covenant Health and some of our big healthcare providers with healthcare leaders um, from across the country um, to kind of get a, you know, a, a lay of the land of what the future would look like and where they would see the roles going. And it was really from there that this idea um, was spawned that there needed to be a focus on leadership and particularly leadership for transformational change, which is, a, again, it's not steady state leadership, it's disruptive leadership. It's um, you know, relational leadership and 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 leading innovation processes rather than you know traditional steady state. So a different type of leadership is what we were looking for and and what we were hearing from our community partners. And you know from there and and um, you know looking at um, some of those best practices that fit and and the science and and um, the study of leadership brought this program together. And I think what's so uh, timely and relevant about what you just said. Uh is that the reality in healthcare is it's 
we don't often have that steady state. No. Right? Healthcare is that in that constant evolution. Um, and, and it needs to be in that constant evolution in order to improve and become more effective and more efficient and just in general provide better patient and client care. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to really target that transformational leadership or that relational leadership, um, leadership through change, leadership through development and evolution, I think is just um, so timely and so important to do. And I can tell that this is something that's really important to you. So what about this makes it just so important? You know, as I said, my own passion for leadership grew out of my own clinical observations and, and the frustration that I felt um, in those early days of, of how do I make change? I see these things that can be done better, but how do I develop the, the, the skill set, the, the relationship building, the confidence um, in my own leadership ability to have an impact on the larger system, right? Mm -hmm. figuring out how to do that um, over the years has been a passion of mine. You know, you don't always get it right. Very rarely do you get it right the first time. So, I, you know, we talked about ambiguity a little bit already, but uh, it's also um, inherent. And this is something that nurses have trouble and healthcare providers, I think, have trouble with because it's this, it's a, it's a, it feels like a bit of a dichotomy, but being comfortable with failure and that Failure in this kind of transformational change, ambiguous, ambiguous way of being, um, failure signals that we're trying something and learning from it, right? And that's how um, organizationally and, and, you know, even in thinking about how we learn um, as people, we learn through experience and sometimes experience means we didn't get it right. So, so that's something that I think is really important um, and to have the vulnerability to be okay with, okay, I tried this and it didn't work. Now I know it doesn't work and I can nuance it and try it a little different. But, you know, the other side of it in healthcare and failure is when we're thinking about direct patient care and you don't want to, you know, take risks um, with your, your, your patient care and, and, you know, the, the kinds of interventions we have that help people to get better. So, so I think people, when they you know, they're used to working at that frontline clinical level where patients' lives are literally in, in our hands as healthcare providers. The concept of failure is not comfortable. And so how do you disassociate that kind of failure? And, and again, as on, an, on that individual patient care, I want this patient to get better and this is what I can do, to as a system, um, we need to try, be able to try things in order to get better for a larger group of patients. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. But it's, it's a tough shift, I find. Yeah. Well, and I think you bring up a really good point that um, in healthcare, uh, failure can also mean consequences, um, but it yeah. doesn't always have to mean consequences. And how do we, like you said, disassociate a little bit so that um, we can take those lessons learned. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think back to, you know, when I started my nursing career, and it looked very different than it does now around mm -hmm. um, lessons learned from errors. And as you mentioned, we don't yes. ever want to make an error because it does have consequences and we don't want to take risks. 
However, the reality is that sometimes that does happen. So how do we how do we take that yeah. away and then say, well, what are we going to do different? Yeah, you know, I think um, the other thing that I, I'm reminded of as as you're talking, Leah, is just around <clears throat> the idea, even when an error is made in healthcare, um, like a, a medication error, which again, any nurse who's ever had that happen, you just feel sick to your stomach that that um that that error has happened. But we are human, and we are in human systems, and it does happen. But rather than this, you know, the the person at the point of care, um, there's a, there's I guess a historical tendency that that's where the blame goes, that that nurse made that nurse or that physician or whoever made the error. But I think this is the value of looking at things from a systems perspective, that there was a whole bunch of things in the system that contributed to that nurse in that room, making that matter at that time. And it, the, the, the responsibility for learning from that doesn't just rest with that one nurse, right. it rests in the system, right? So I think we've gotten a lot better at looking at systems-wide um, learning from our mistakes and, and how do we then as a system get smarter and learn from all those pieces, those, those other little errors that contributed to that point of care thing happening um, and understanding how, you know, um, how we're staffing in pharmacy um, has an impact on what happened at the point of care. Um, so I think that's where systems thinking and, and understanding the bigger picture and moving parts is a real important piece for um, leaders of transformational change to understand. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I agree 100%. And I think uh, systems transformation is something that rightfully so is getting more airtime. As we move forward in our understanding of healthcare and the the way that it operates and the way that we all operate within it, as you mentioned, it is human systems as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Since we're talking about lessons learned and taking pieces out of failure and using it as a way to uh, change how we operate or shift how we operate and look at Uh, our opportunities to do things differently. Uh, What would you say has been the biggest failure in your career? You know, I I think if reflecting back on it, let me put it this way. It not, not leaving a situation and thinking that I, as one person could change an organizational dysfunction and having that feel like it was my responsibility alone when really it was a a toxic situation, but staying in it and persevering um, to the point where your own mental and physical health is in jeopardy. It, honestly, that's that's um, the situation that comes to mind. And so the the learning from that, I would say, and again, to the point where when I ended up leaving that position, it took me, I would say, three three months to feel like myself again because I was just so depleted and didn't even realize it until I started feeling normal again that it had gotten to that point. Um, and so learning again, I, I think from that from that failure of, and again, it felt like failure hugely because I was taking that all on and that how come I couldn't um, be an effective leader in this situation. And, and I ended up leaving and it was, you know, uh, I had all these ideas of shame in my mind and all this kind of stuff. Um, but understanding that and recognizing 
um, the the hallmarks of toxicity and understanding what you can do as an individual and what you can't do um, to change some of those kinds of situations. And and knowing that, you know, first and foremost, you have to make sure that your own um, health and well-being is looked after or you are of no service to anyone else, right? So kind of the the whole thing of of you know in in the the airplane language if we ever get to travel again when the when the when the oxygen masks drop you put your own mask on before you try and put the mask on to the guy next to you and and so you know it was a lesson in leadership around we need to embed the self care we need to take care of ourselves um because as leaders people are are depending and counting on us and um if we are so depleted that we're not our best selves and can't function at the level that we need to, um, we're not helping anybody. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that sounds like an incredibly powerful lesson uh, for you in your own experience. And I think that can be really extrapolated to uh, everyone and and all all care environments. Because I think as nurses, we often give, 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 yep. uh, try and tra- change, try and change. Um, and, and then at the end of the day, and I mean that literally and figuratively, we have nothing left. Our cup is completely yeah. empty. Um, so, yep. you know, I really value what you're saying about being able to embed that into uh, our own leadership and our, our own ability to lead ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting in leadership, you know, especially in, in the last couple of years as, as associate dean and dean. And, um, you know, I think those senior leadership positions where people are, those leaders are particularly visible in an organization. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like, you know, when you have little kids, they're always watching you. Yes. And, and I would say from an organizational perspective in those senior leadership positions, there's team members and those people that are around us are always watching us. And it, you know, we can say one thing, but if people see us doing something differently, it loses its, um, its uh, resonance. So, uh, you know, it's the old, old idea of walking the talk. And if we're saying that we value, you know, people taking time to refill their cups and making sure that our mental and physical health is looked after and that we can, we can endure, right. And that we're taking care of ourselves in a way that helps us to thrive rather than just survive. Um, if the leader is saying that, but not doing that in their own lives, it becomes inauthentic, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think um, that's another lesson that it, you have to walk the talk. And, and if you're saying to people, no, you know, you need to take the weekend and and really, you know, spend time with your family and recharge, they need to see you doing that too and not sending emails and midnight on a Saturday, right? Yeah. Um, so so that's something, it, it's that congruence, it's the authenticity and if you say it, you have to be prepared to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think back to at some point along uh, the way I, have, I read a phrase uh, that said, you either lead by example or you don't lead at all. Exactly. And that really stuck with me. Uh, and I think that's really reflective of what you're, what you're saying about walking the talk. Mm-hmm. So... 2020 is the year of the nurse and midwife and uh, seems appropriate in so many ways. So oh, what, yeah. do you, what do you see the connection between nursing advocacy and leadership as a whole? You know, this is really interesting. I was actually just last week finishing a book chapter about uh, relational leadership. 
And um, they said, the editor said, hey, we have this COVID thing that's happened amid, amidst us writing this chapter. So could you find a way to weave in, you know, the reality of, of what we're doing in this time um, for the book? And uh, so I was reflecting on the, the 2020 year of the nurse, and it was last May um, that the International Council of Nursing and the World Health Organization made the declaration. So May 2019, they made the declaration that 2020 was to be the year of the nurse. Well, I don't think this is the year of the nurse that any of us would have ever imagined, but you think about the, the visibility and the, the amazing work that nurses are doing around the world on the front lines with this COVID pandemic. Um, and it's really highlighted um, the value of nursing. And, and I think one of the, the World Health Organization's goals in looking at it as the year of the nurse and midwife was to really advocate for universal health care uh, around the world and, and what that looks like and having access to health no matter um, who we are or where we are. And, you know, the pandemic has thrown into pretty sharp focus um, the detriment of, of what happens when we don't have universal um, or, or, you know, basic health care um, assurances. And, you know, you look at what's happening in the U.S., for instance, and, and people that rely on um, their jobs to provide health care. And when all of a sudden, you know, you have massive amounts of the population that is either laid off or can't work because we're, you know, um, staying home and, and social distancing. And the, the insecurity of, of our healthcare system is really illuminated in a way that we never could have had this pandemic not happened. So again, the nurse and the midwife, um, you know, the, the role for us to advocate for universal health care, this gives us a platform and a stage to really advocate in a very visible way that wouldn't have been available to us just a year ago. And so it, it's almost, um, I, I say, an opportunity for a quantum leap. And, and, and I think you mentioned it, Leah, you know, we may say, oh, when things get back to normal, we will never go back to what it was. The new normal will be different than it was pre-COVID. And therein is that opportunity to um, look at access to, to good quality healthcare, universal healthcare can make a difference should we be faced with a pandemic or something else in the future, because you know we will, but how can we help as nurses to advocate and do that transformational change work at, in learning from, from COVID and what worked and what didn't to make a system that is um, going to be more uh, responsive and a better prepared for what lies ahead. Well, I guess I'll say this. I think that's just incredibly powerful because I think it really does illustrate uh, our role as nurses on a whole and also our place to make mm -hmm. healthcare better uh, overall and be able to support the idea and the, the, the push for universal health care. So I appreciate that you brought that up. Mm -hmm. So Sandra, I'm curious to hear what is one final piece of wisdom you'd like to share? Oh boy, there's, what do I want to say here? So many. Um, you know, I'll go back to what I, I talked about earlier that um, it, it is, when it comes to leadership, um, it, it, it's about relationship and about, and I mean that in that it's also the relationship we have with ourselves. And so I'll, I'll, I'll share a, a quote that I just think is so, so powerful for leaders wherever you are in the system, whether you're just leading yourself, whether you're leading a team, whether you're an aspiring leader. Um, Brene Brown, in her book, uh, Daring Leadership, um, 
has this quote that um, who we are is how we lead. And so if you don't know who you are and your strengths, your areas for improvement and, and knowing and being comfortable with who you are, you're leading from that, um, whether you know it or not, for, for good or bad. So that relationship and self-knowledge um, and, and, you know, giving ourselves a break and, and walking the talk and all of those things, um, I, I think resonate. So I would leave people with, with who you are is how you lead. Thank you so much, Sandra. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you. And I really appreciate you sharing your perspective and your knowledge and your wisdom as well. So thank you again for your time today. My pleasure, Leah. Thanks so much for joining us today at Central Line Leadership in Healthcare. Also, if you like what you heard, please head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to get to know you on social media, so check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.